You're listening to From Fear to Love. I'm your host, Alma Lee. You've heard about active listening. You've read about it. I'm certain of it. But do you know how to do it? And it's okay. It is totally okay if you don't know what active listening is and if you don't know how to do it. This about 20 minutes that I'm going to spend with you today, 20, 25 minutes, is just, it's, it's an introduction as to what active listening is and how to sort of interact with someone based in the mindset of actively listening. One of the first things that uh, I learned in grad school was the concept of active listening. It seems really easy at first. It really does because, I mean, how hard can it be? If you're just listening to somebody, how hard can it be to actively listen? And I've been in classes before, which I found to be uh, hilarious and sad at the same time because it leans more into the active engagement of what to do when you're actively listening with someone as opposed to being there authentically for them. In other words, repeat back to the person what they've just said as opposed to, did you value what that person just said? Did you understand how it made you feel? But let's talk about it for just a, for just a few moments here today. Do you actively listen? Do you? And it's okay if you don't. It's totally okay. Active listening is an art and it's a language. It is a language in and of itself. It is something that if you have never sat down and pursued as a uh, something to learn or adapt into, how can anybody expect you to actively listen? If you don't know how to do it, it's totally fine. But let's talk about it. It's a language. Well, what does it mean? And why is it important, first of all? Why is it important to actively listen? Well, let's look at it from an empathy perspective. What would you feel like if you had something that was on your, something that was resting heavy in your head and in your heart, and you just needed to be heard. How would you want someone to respond to that? How would you want someone to engage you if you had this heavy thing that you just needed to put down for a moment, this narrative that you wanted to share with someone? How would you feel when you express a condition, an occurrence, an event, a situation, a mindset with someone else, most of us don't want the other person to try and judge us for it. You don't want to be judged. You don't want someone else to find fault in what you have done or are doing about a certain situation or a principle or a topic. You just want someone to share space. So when you think about active listening or actively listening to someone, I want you to engage that person the way you would want them to engage with you. How do you want someone to interact with you when you share a situation? I worked as a sexual assault victim advocate for a couple of years. Now, I was not in a clinical role for my clients at the time. I was in an advocacy role. When you're an advocate, you you support and you encourage and you hold space for the people that you interact with. So a large component of what I did was to actively listen. I can think back 
on working with my clients who had experienced this horrendous event as they shared their their narrative and a lot of times when they would share their narrative it was often colored by previous experiences in sharing the narrative with other people in other words they would come to me and they would talk about the event but they would also talk about how other people reacted to the event when they would attempt to share the situation with other people it would oftentimes leave them feeling even more invalidated it would make the situation worse because when they would share their narrative with other people other people would interact and interject with their own uh, bias whether that was subconscious or preconceived or you know consciously and you know, doing the work that I was doing at the time that was solely based in sexual assault, a lot of my clients would come to me and express feelings of guilt, feelings of shame, and feelings of, well, this wouldn't have happened if I had done A, B, C, and D. And the that was culminated by the previous interactions that they had had with friends, family, colleagues, teachers. And I would often try to help them disentangle their narrative from the underpinnings of what other people had interjected. In other words, they had conversations with other people that made them feel worse. That's not active listening. The intention behind active listening is to hold space, is to step into the space of the person who's sharing their narrative and be there. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to sway their opinion. Hell, you don't even have to believe them. You don't have to believe what they're saying to be true. You can hold your own opinions about the matter and at the same time still respect the fact that they believe their narrative. That's the only thing that you really need to do when you actively listen to someone is to believe that they believe. You don't have to hold the same opinions. You don't have to agree with what they're thinking and feeling. The main point and purpose of actively listening is when you hold space for that person, you're basically saying that you matter. Right now, in this moment, you and your situation and your truth is what matters. And I'm sharing that with you because you matter to me. That's the point of actively listening. Why is it a problem? Why is it so difficult to actively listen to someone? Here's why. We all hold bias. Every single last one of us holds a bias. We have a belief set about the way the world should work. And it can be very difficult to have conversations with people who express an opinion or an experience that causes us to see that differently, which challenges our own personal bias. We may have a need to believe that the world is a safe place. We may have a deeply rooted need to believe that a certain philosophy or an idea is better than another one. We have our own deeply held, deeply rooted sensibilities about what is right and what is wrong. And when people share a narrative with us that is in contrast to our own personal bias, we may have a visceral or an emotional response to that. We may feel triggered by that. We may need to normalize what is happening in that narrative by deconstructing their behavior. In other words, well, what did you do to cause it? 
What did you say to that person to make them so angry with you? What were you wearing that night of the assault? How much did you have to drink? Well, what did you say to your mother that made her so angry? Or your father that made him do all of those things? Or who were you? Or what did you do or say or think or feel? We can, in our own need, in these interactions with people, invalidate that person to the point where they feel even more conflicted and distressed because of having had a conversation with us. We don't want that. And we don't have to do that. And we don't have to invalidate our own bias and our own opinions about things by allowing that person the space to share theirs openly with us. Those two are not mutually exclusive. You can hold space for someone's opinion. You can be respectful. You can be mindful of who they are, how they think and feel in that moment and not share any of those opinions, but you can respect theirs and you can hold space for that because, because they matter, right? You wouldn't be having a conversation with them if they didn't matter to you. What we have a tendency to do as human beings, that knee-jerk response in any given dynamic is to fix, to correct, to change, or to challenge someone else's differing or opposing belief sets because we feel an emotional response to what they're telling us and we want to change or challenge whatever it is that they're saying. We might say things like, oh, that can't be right, or maybe you forgot, or are you sure you got that information right? Are you sure you didn't cause part of this problem? Are you sure dot, 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 dot? And when we do that, when we invalidate someone else's perspective and their narrative, we reintroduce the distress. We're not offering anything but more pain. And we don't want that. We don't want to do that. This whole point is it's important to understand the language of active listening. It is a beautiful language too. You can hold space for your own opinions. Your own opinions are not up for debate. Your own opinions, your ideas, your ideals, your biases, those have nothing to do with actively listening to someone else share their narrative. You don't have to fight every fight. This has been something that I have had to work on personally because I am so opinionated. How can an opinionated person <laughs> be a successful therapist? How can somebody who has deeply rooted, held beliefs about what is right and what is wrong, be someone to objectively hold space and actively listen to someone's narrative that is vastly in contrast to my own. How could I possibly do that? That is the purpose of this. That is sharing with you is that you don't have to contrast. You don't have to confront or challenge other people's opinions about their own narrative. You don't have to do that. That's a, a key component of active listening is to just be present and to allow other people to have opposing viewpoints, to allow other people to engage you and to talk with you about what they've experienced. Another aspect of active listening that I encourage people to consider is pay attention to your own visceral body responses. When someone tells you something 
that sort of gives you a chill or you feel a red flag or maybe even you're just sitting there thinking, well, this is, this is bullshit. This is not right. This didn't happen. This isn't real. I mean, come on. There's no way that this storyline that this person is feeding me is accurate. This person's always lying. This person's full of shit, blah, blah, so on and so forth. We've all done it. We've all had conversations where we had that internal monologue where we're like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> and our knee-jerk response to that, if you're a normal human being, would be to challenge it and say, come on now, you know you're full of shit. But that's not active listening. That's invalidating language. And that's what a lot of us do. I've done it. It's what a lot of us do with regularity. But what I want to encourage you to understand here that when you actively listen, you're not being inauthentic. You're not. Just because you're not interjecting your own opinion about something does not mean you're being inauthentic. Here's the thing. Even if somebody comes to you with a storyline that you are 100% is false, it's, it's, they're doing it just for attention, they're, they're making it up, it's bullshit. Right. Let's say that somebody comes to you and they need you to listen to them, and it's a, it's just a, a dumpster fire of a delusion, and it's just crazy. If you are there, present, and your intention is to actively listen and engage with that person, that is all you have to do. And understand this: regardless whether or not what they're telling you is accurate and exists in real life, it's it's a real thing or it's not a real thing, understand this. There is always a motive with anything that anybody chooses to share. Understand that. And if someone has the wherewithal and the intention of connecting with you, regardless of whether or not it's bullshit, understand that they need something from you. Maybe they just want your time. Maybe they just want the feeling of being heard. Maybe they are creating a narrative in order to have time with you. Maybe they are creating this fantasy, this, this bullshit story as a means of feeling like they are seen. There's always a motive. There's always a reason that anybody would create something. Look at it that way. Don't look at it from the factual perspective of what someone's sharing with you. If somebody comes to you and they're telling you a, you know, a long-held secret or they want to ask you on how to deal with a situation and they need your feedback, give it to them. Give them your feedback. Give them your honest, authentic feedback. But do so in a way that is non-judgmental, that you're not affixing judgment or blame. That is critical to successfully listening, to actively listening. I just, I find it funny that I've been in these classes. It's so profoundly silly, I guess, to me to be told that, well, when you actively listen, what you want to do is take what that person said, reframe it and say it back to them. Eh, yes and no. I agree. Yes and no to that one. Yeah, it's important to, you know, reframe and to repose whatever that person said to you back to them. I can understand the value and the intention of that action. I don't know. I think it's kind of superficial. It's based in logic. It's not based in being real and being connected to somebody. If, if I'm being honest, I think that if you actively listen, then you listen. You don't focus on what did they just say and how can I reconstruct that sentence so that I can say it back to them so that I can convince them that I'm present. 
my mindset is just be present, right? Don't play games. I feel like that's a game. But anyway, that's, that's my own personal take on it. Actively listening means being present, means not judging what that person has to say, just allowing what it is they have to say with the understanding that it must be important to them. It doesn't have to be important to you. See, that's the key. It doesn't have to be important to you. The important feature for you is to understand that whoever this person is needs your time. And that's it. And be present and hold space in that. Step into that person's narrative with them. Be there with them in that experience. Because when you do that, that is your form of communicating to them that they matter, which is a language. Active listening is a language. Through your actions, you are communicating and understanding that that person matters. It's irrelevant, the topic. It's irrelevant, you know, the information that is being exchanged. Being present in that moment, understanding and listening to that person. And they may want your feedback. They may ask you, what do you think about that? I would encourage you to use your words wisely. I'm always a fan of being authentic. But be authentic without being cruel. When somebody shares a narrative with you, you know, there you can communicate with them in a variety of different ways. If they, you know, say, oh, well, this happened, you know, yeah, I, I, I ripped the bumper off my car. When this person is, tells you this story and then you know that this person has a history of drinking and driving and coming home. And that might make, that might infuriate you. Why are you doing this? Why are you living like this? And the knee-jerk response to that could be a very judgmental tone. You know, if you would stop drinking and driving, do you know that you're putting people's lives at risk? Not even talking about your own, but you're out on the street and you're always, you're being dangerous. You're lucky you only lost the bumper off your car. You're lucky you didn't get arrested. You're lucky you didn't do this, dot, dot, dot. That is a very judgmental way of, of dealing with a, a conversation like that. When in reality, you could communicate and say, you want to know what my opinion is? My opinion is that I'm worried about you. My opinion is that you're making some really poor choices, in my opinion. I know that you go out and drink to socialize and to have a good time, but there are other ways to do that without putting yours and other people's lives at stake. There's other ways to manage. Is there something that you need? Is there something going on that I can help you with? Because I really think that these choices that you're making are not long withstanding. Eventually, something's going to give if you continue to behave this way. Those are factual statements, and they're coming from a place of concern. They're coming from a place of, I see you, I hear you, you're valuable, you're worthy, you deserve an opportunity to, to do better and to figure out what it is that's causing you to make such poor choices. I mean, that might be a little bit deep for this conversation, but that's just an example. Somebody comes to you about an argument. What do you think? Do you, do you think I should have done this? I mean, I wasn't there, but I care about you and I, I feel like you need to be heard. I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, I'm not trying to take sides, but I think maybe if you listen to do this, you, you can always answer in an encouraging way. You know, maybe it's somebody who wants an argument, you know, and you're trying to actively listen to what they have to say but they want to argue with you. And you could always answer that with, look, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to battle with you over this. If you want to hear my opinion, I'll tell you. But other than that, I'm not going to fight with you over this. I'm not going to get into an argument with you by, because you want me to take your side in this issue. I have that happen from time to time with, with clients who 
feel that if I don't take their side, then I am taking someone else's side or I'm blaming them or projecting upon them. And so then we have to go down that rabbit hole of teaching them how to understand the differences in communicating versus the expectation of that alliance. So I'm getting into a rabbit hole here. Actively listening. It is a language. It's a language. And you don't have to agree with the narrative of the person that is sharing with you. You don't have to. You don't have to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, hell yeah, you're absolutely right, 100%. You could completely disagree with what they're saying. You cannot believe what they're saying and still actively listen to them and hold space for them. Because underneath all of it, they're doing it for a reason. They need something from you. What is it? They need your time. They need your attention. They need to feel like they're important to you. Understand it from that perspective will allow you the ability to withhold any damaging dialogue that you might potentially participate in, particularly if that's a habit of yours. You know, you might be a fixer. You know, you feel like people come to you and talk to you because you're the person that can make it better. You can give advice. You can, and maybe you can. And all I'm saying to that is do what you do. As long as you are not harming anything or anyone, as long as you're not upsetting the apple cart, if somebody wants to come to you with a narrative that is inaccurate, you can, you can challenge it without being hurtful. I, I know that you said this, but when you told me this the other day, those two stories don't add up. And I just feel like something else might be going on here that you're not, I don't know, maybe you don't feel safe telling me all of that. You can interact with people in a variety of different ways that make them feel safe but also challenged. You know, people will tell you what they, they'll tell you, they're more likely to tell you the truth if they feel safe with you, if they feel like they're going to be validated and they're not going to be judged. That's a big part of it. So I'm just basically teaching you how to have better forms of communication with the people in your life who you care about. So actively listening. So practice that. Practice the non-judgment. Pay attention to what they're saying. Be present. Don't judge. Don't judge. That's the biggest part. That's the biggest takeaway. So the moral of the story here is to actively listen is to understand that you don't have to agree with the other person. You just have to be present. Allow them to tell you what they need to tell you. Challenge them carefully. Challenge them with love and respect and validation. Validation is key. And I think that we can all work on that. So that's it from Fear to Love. This has been an LBM production. Please like, subscribe, and share this show. Thanks for listening.